Hello everyone, my name is Kendall and welcome to Unofficial Book Club, where life and stories meet. And just like any book club, we'll only be spending half the time actually talking about books. In these episodes of this podcast, I will be sitting down with various guests to connect over who they are, their happiness, and lessons they've learned. I believe life is like a book. Each chapter is a piece of our development and growth with the good, the bad, and everything in between that ultimately makes up our story. Now, before we get started, I want to remind you that my guests and I will be sharing our own personal experiences and opinions throughout this episode and all future episodes. Let's get started. So official. (laughs) (laughs) Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Unofficial Book Club. And I'm here today with a special guest, a very dear friend of mine. We went to college together. We were in an acapella group in college together. We've traveled throughout parts of Europe together, parts of Germany, and then Paris. We did Paris in all 12 hours. 24. Was it 24? Yeah, because we had that, we didn't sleep. Oh my gosh, yeah, we rode that a bus, bus all ride. the way home. Oh. That was, I mean, finding the bus alone was. <laughs> we almost missed it. Yeah, I like, I think one of the superpowers I wish I had was understanding every language or something because like that is difficult and challenging yeah I don't want to impose and like ask people questions in a language that they don't know that's true she's also a cat mom to bonded kittens violet and dash which I mean just the cutest little names you ever heard you know they live up to them Mm -hmm. and she's a teacher welcome Karen S Kara thank you for being here Woohoo! I'm so excited. Thank you for asking me. Of course. So first and foremost, anything you'd like to introduce about yourself that I didn't say or do any justice of? I feel like you got it. I mean, how we met, our friendship, my career. Yeah. Check, check, check. Check, check, check. We'll also say that you're somebody I find to be very daring. We talked about this. We saw each other last week for a drink. And because we don't live near each other, it was a nice treat. And especially before doing this and we were chatting and it was funny because I sat there and I was like, she's the same very bold and outspoken person she always was. I think I get a kick out of, I've always gotten a kick out of you because I think that like you just, it's like no bullshit, but it's coded with like sweet you know, like you're not a prickly person. You're like very sweet, very like down to earth, very kind, but there's like no bullshit. And it's very like, this is my opinion. This is how I feel. (laughs) Take it or leave it. (laughs) Take it or leave it. So it's, it's, I, I always get a kick out of that. And I like very much admire that about you and I've always admired that about you. I love that you, this is not the first time that you've said stuff like that to me in high dash. (laughs) And that's just not how I see myself at all. I'm so scared of confrontation, things that shouldn't even be confrontational to me feel like confrontation. Mm -hmm. And so, and I I just told you this the other week when we saw each other that someone recently described me as bold and I was like, oh my gosh, thank Mm -hmm. you. Like that's never a word I would use to describe myself. And so now I have these like back to back two people saying (laughs) that you're just like bold and take it or leave it. And I would never really describe myself like that. So thank you. Yeah. I also think that like, I'd like to meet somebody that wants and likes confrontation. 
feel like if you're a reality star, maybe you do, but like, otherwise nobody really likes it. Nobody really wants it. I think, but I think not being afraid of it or welcoming it because you're wanting to give your opinion or you want to stand up for what you believe in or what you think is right. is like the right thing to do. Yeah. Worth it in the end. Hard. Yeah. Yeah. But worth it. Yeah. And so you're a teacher, you're a kindergarten teacher, which I mean, they're babies. They are babies. What do they do? Like learn how to use scissors? I uh, honestly, (laughs) yes. I think it's so hard because we know they're still babies. Like a a lot of them come in at four years old, like they're, they're babies. And then you look at the Virginia standards and they're expected to know and do so much. That's just not developmentally appropriate. So how do you decide as a parent, like at four, I want my child to go to kindergarten versus like five. It's their birthday, which is so arbitrary because just like every baby learns to walk at different times or talk at different times, like, yeah, there's milestones, like by this month to this month, Mm -hmm. but it's a range. And so it's hard that in kindergarten and any grade, but there's these standards that it's like, I don't care about their background. I don't care about their language. I don't care about how they were raised. We expect by the end of the year that every single one of these students can master this long list of things. And it's just not, it's not fair to them to accept. You're preaching to the choir. I mean, like I'm dyslexic. Reading and writing was never easy. I can't do math to save my life. I still bring out my calculator to do a tip, which we talked about. We were like, (laughs) love it when it's at the bottom of the receipt. So like, I can't even imagine. And then also when they're that young, like how do you even get them to focus enough to like complete and learn something like that almost they really have to learn on their own like you can't you can't give them a test right like how does that work and that's another thing my first year was in second grade I would long story short I was hired (laughs) for kindergarten I always wanted to teach kindergarten my dream was kindergarten I had history with preschool and kindergarten at private schools and summer summer camps and daycares and stuff like I knew Mm -hmm. that's what I wanted Mm -hmm. my student taught in the county in kindergarten which is like a perfect way to get into the grade you want. So I only interviewed, well, really I only even interviewed at my school. I was offered a ton of interviews and I kind of knew I wanted this school. So I took this interview first and got the job. And so I was like, okay, good. Like check the box. I don't have to go anywhere else. He said, Mm -hmm. we don't normally hire first year teachers in kindergarten, but you have a background in kindergarten. Our team really liked you. Like we want to give you this position. And I was Mm -hmm. over the moon, so excited, set up my classroom, everything was going great. And then the week before the school year started, my principal was like, Hey, so, um, predictions are a soft science. The numbers in our County said that this many kindergartners would sign up, but they didn't. So we don't have enough room to add another kindergarten classroom, but we have a position in second grade. So a I week before the week before school started. So I sat and sobbed and I was like, I'm okay. Like, I'm just really overwhelmed. This is my first job, my first career. Like I'm a big girl on my own, like signed a contract. And it was just like, I kept describing it as, you know, the cliche term, like you're drinking water out of a fire hose because it just (laughs) felt like I could not keep up. And he was so awesome. He's like, don't touch anything. Like we'll move all your stuff for you. So I was sitting in the library and like new teacher meetings, trying not to cry. Like I couldn't Mm -hmm. focus on anything because I'm just like, oh my gosh, like my whole life as I knew it is now, which sounds so dramatic because I was still in the same school. I was still in the same hallway. Like it really wasn't that big of a deal, but all I knew was like, I'm going to teach my great, my dream grade. I, I got it. My classroom set up. So then 
I started in second grade, which was awesome. I had a great team, a great year, but I knew it's not where I wanted to be. And so then the moment that a kindergarten position opened, I was like, put me in coach. Like I want to go back. So I did. Wow. Uh, all that to say in second grade, they all kind of generally come knowing the same thing in, in hopes that they came from a kindergarten and a first grade classroom. Like they've all been exposed to and taught the same information. So you're kind of starting at an even playing field in kindergarten. Some of them have been to daycare. Some of them have been to preschool. Some of them have done nothing. Some of them have had uh, daycares that are completely play-based. Some of Mm -hmm. them have had daycares that are completely academic based. And so no matter where they're coming from, none of them are coming from the same background. Yeah. So that was, that's been the hardest part. And I love, it's also like the most fun part of teaching kindergarten is you just don't know what you're going to get. You don't know how they react with each other. You don't know what they've learned. You don't know if their parents are supportive. You don't know if they live with their parents. Yeah. Whereas every other grade, the the person who taught them the year before can kind of brief you on them and, and they know like, oh, this person and this person cannot be in the same class together. They don't get along <laughs> or like, they're so naughty together or like, they're great buddies and we don't yeah. know anything. Yeah. So it's, it's hard. It's a hard, unique grade. So then what is that first like week like? Um, I feel like I black out every year because every year that it comes, which is coming soon. I like today I opened my Google drive and started looking at my like first week of school stuff. And every year I feel like I don't remember, which this is my sixth year going in. So I've yeah. done five times before, but honestly, a lot of it is like learning how to sit and listen, learning how building stamina, like at the beginning of the year, like you said, oh my gosh, can they use scissors? Can they sit yeah. down? No. Or like this year, I got a new student in January and I gave him scissors and he held it with two hands like this. Oh, "Oh, no, 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 no. Which then was also hard because we moved on. It was January. I wasn't teaching scissor use anymore. But the first week generally is like lots of reading books, lots of learning to sit crisscross, learning to transition from your seat to the carpet, to getting in line, learning how to use the bathroom, learning how to wash your hands correctly, not wasting soap, not wasting paper towels. It's, I mean, ground zero. And how do they teach each other at all? You know, like kids, like, especially if you have somebody coming in halfway through the year. Yeah. Does that pick up from others? Academically, not as much, but socially and emotionally Mm -hmm. or like just routines. Yes. And something Mm -hmm. that my admin team has always praised me about is how I build my classroom community. And this year I had seven or eight, I lost count new students from the beginning of the year. I lost them too, which is why I kept getting whoever was next on the list. And every time I had this little group, mostly girls who were just like, oh my gosh, we're getting a new friend. Like Miss Ness, we're getting a new friend. And they would always say new friend. And I had a principal, she was doing a guest reading, one of our assistant principals. And she was like, I love that your students just automatically say new friend. Like they don't think, oh my gosh, a stranger, are we going to like them? Like, I don't want a new kid in class. They're just so welcoming. And they're the first to like, give them a hug and say, hi, I'm blah, blah, blah. What's your name? Yeah. So I think in that regard, like, again, not not academically because they're all still learning, but they definitely help teach each other socially. Or they'll say like, oh, you can't go to the bathroom right now. Miss Ness is reading. Yeah. Um, Or like, oh, you can sit next to me. There's a spot open here. And so I think in that aspect, they all really do help each other. And it's so, it's just magical to watch. And I don't think you get that same community in other grades, not the same as kindergarten at least. Yeah. I was a TA for summer for an English class, middle schoolers. Granted, 
<laughs> they're the middle school. It was in an alternative school. So they're the middle schoolers that got kicked out of their old school. Mm-hmm. So uh, I think that was the closest I'd ever come to be te- like be a teacher because I could give a little bit of my like smart ass attitude or snarkiness yeah. and, and you can dish it. that to middle schoolers yeah and I could dish it to them because they like half the time they have an attitude anyway yep, they're like not happy to be there yeah and but that is different because like I remember what middle school was like I think it's the beginning of just drama and intensity and every you know hormones etc and I remember seeing that where it's like you see the clicks you see who like likes each other doesn't and like people are having like new love interests for the first time and it's just it's a mess and my mom is still in middle school and loves it granted I think she has like sixth graders right now so they're like cute and innocent but middle schoolers are a mess kindergartners I don't know if I have the patience but they must be fun it's funny because everyone who, well, my school goes from K to five and I'm friends with a lot of the fourth and fifth grade teachers. And they're like, oh my gosh, like Kara, I could never. And I'm like, that's how I feel about you. I could <laughs> never, I'd get eaten alive in fourth and fifth grade. I'm not cool enough for them. Like <laughs> they're all cooler than me and they know they're cooler than me. So, uh-uh. oh, I say that just walking down my street, like the first week of May or maybe in end of May, early June, whatever, when kids are starting to get out of school, I have a high school near me. And I was just texting my roommate, like the youth is out. I hate it. Like yeah, I feel go. uncomfortable. Like I don't want to be on the same side of the street as them. Yep. Like they it, dress better than me. They're just like, I would get mm-hmm. eaten alive. Yeah. Especially at that age. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, they know all funny. the hot trends. Mm-hmm. And they all have TikTok. They all have social media. They all have phones at this point. Like yeah. there's no, there's a loss of innocence in this generation. I feel like. Yeah. But yeah. even in kindergarten, sometimes I'm like, oh baby, you shouldn't be watching <laughs> that. Or like when Squid Games was really big a year or two oh, wow. ago, I don't even remember. I, I, in PE, they learned how to play a lot of games that are, I've never seen Squid Games, but they learned a lot of those games like Red Light, Green Light, and mm. they would play at recess. And so when they lost Red Light, Green Light, they were like shooting each other down. I was like, <gasps> no, 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 no. Like we can't play this version. Not to mention you can't play that version in a school. Yep. But it's so funny, but you just said that. And I was like, oh, Red Light, Green Light. Like we played that. Yeah. Like, I thought nothing of it. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. Wow. Ugh, that's yeah, media and children. Yeah. That's a whole different conversation. But yeah. for the purposes of this podcast, I'll start <laughs> with my first topic, which is happiness. So Kara, can you define happiness for me? In your oh my words? gosh. Okay. You sent me this list of questions <laughs> and I've been like, I have nothing written. I like jotted down little things that I wanted to remember. I feel like that's such a hard, it's the same, like, where do you see yourself in five years? I yeah. feel like there's no right answer, which is probably the point. Everyone, mm-hmm. I'm sure, gives broad, mm-hmm. different answers. Yeah. Um, I don't have much to give you. I feel <laughs> like it's it's hard to define. And yeah, maybe that's the point of this question is everyone views happiness differently. I actually, teaching, uh, one of my coworkers' daughters is, is in middle school, high school now. And she asked if she could interview me for one of her history like assignments. And I was like, yeah, sure. You're and that old right down. Well, this humbled me. <laughs> I had to write down my generation and she was like, oh yeah, like you're Gen Z. And I was like, no baby, you're Gen Z. I'm not Gen Z. And she was like, oh yeah, like we're the same age. And I was like, I'm 28. 
I'm closer <laughs> to your mom's age. And she was just like, oh my gosh. And I was like, okay, yeah, thank you. <laughs> um, but for this interview, she had to interview a bunch of different generations and ask them their definition of the American dream. Ooh. And it was kind of the same thing where like, I don't Ooh. know. I feel like everyone would have, I know it's, it makes you think. And I, she did not Ooh. give me a list. Like it was just on the spot. And I was telling her, like, I think part of the American dream is that everyone kind of views it differently. Like yeah. the goal is happiness. The goal is independence. The goal is success. Prosperity. Um, yeah. Yeah. Some would say like, oh, to be a mom, oh, to be a wife or, yeah. oh, to be the boss or the highest rank at my job. Like yeah. everyone has a different American dream. I think the goal is like, yeah, prosperity, safety. I think that's yeah. a big freedom. American dream. Like, yeah. That's, that's what it's always. Yeah. yeah have in other areas and honestly in America yeah I was gonna say like I think the last four four years now or whatever but truly throughout history have really shaped what my answer will be because it will be very different now than it would have been when I was in high school and had no knowledge of like the privilege that I have or you know the true history of our country or anything so that's interesting and I think that's so exciting that like it's sad and depressing and horrible that everything Mm -hmm. we learned in in history classes was so whitewashed and like Mm -hmm. and we just thought oh this we accept it all as truth because your teachers are telling you the textbooks are telling you google is telling you you're reading research-based articles that are Mm -hmm. telling you and it's like in in our little middle school high school even college careers and our college minds like oh this is true and I think it's really cool that a lot of horrible things have happened the past four, six years, but it's also kind of opened a lot of eyes of like, oh, this wasn't true, what we learned, or there's another side to this. That's never, maybe it, it's two truths, but we've only learned one truth. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's been really cool with our generation specifically of millennials who have kind of gone through, oh my gosh. we're like a, yeah, we're a cool generation. Yeah. Where we've gone through no technology, lots of technology. We've gone through um, really mm-hmm. big political movements yep. in, an, in an age where our minds are still malleable. And I think if we are older, like our parents' generation, where yes, a lot of them have opened their eyes and, and been willing to learn and change and relearn, mm-hmm. um, but many of them were older and set in their ways, or then our younger generation, like they didn't know any different. Yeah. And so we're this cool in between where like we learned what we thought was truth. And then all these big movements have given us new mm-hmm. truths to unpack. Yeah. It's kind it's of special. To be in, yeah. To be mm-hmm. in this millennial age range. Yeah. It's also weird to be at an age where like we were so young when something like 9-11 happened in our country. Yeah. But like the I don't know when the first year hit for my mom in middle school, but there was like a year when it finally hit her that none of her students were alive during that time. And none of them even like, it was literally history to them. And I remember her telling me and my sisters that, and like, I've never thought about the moment when my life is a history, but it's somebody else's like true history and not Mm -hmm. an experience that they had or have any recognition of. And that's wild. I think the first time I felt that was COVID. Like Mm -hmm. I was like, people are going to read about this in history books and we're living it right now. Mm -hmm. Just why, I mean, a lot of things we just recently lived, like the the recent election is going to be a wild history book topic. Um, Black Lives Matter movement is going to be a history book topic. Mm -hmm. And it's like, we lived that. Yeah. Not wild. We got to fight for that. Yeah. It's one of the reasons I think 
it's been very nice to live in DC over the last like seven or eight years. <laughs> the fact that I, I know, Ooh, that we're old. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it's been cool to see moments of history being made and like yeah. being here for them and being able to like decide one day I'm going to wake up and go into the city and be there for the inauguration of this pre- president just to like see it or you know and like that's very cool and I'm I people ask a lot about living in DC and I think that's probably one of the highlights yeah but so what is your definition oh, of gosh I know happiness I... <laughs> um I guess in I guess there's not a definition of happiness. I think it's like, it it ebbs and flows just like everything else. Like you're not going to be 100% happy 100% of your life because we're humans. And mm-hmm. we just talked about a lot of horrible things that have happened in our <laughs> generation. And you can't be happy about some of those things. But I think even when like crappy things around you or even to you happen, there's still a way to find happiness. There's a way to find contentment. There's a way to compartmentalize when it's healthy and there's a way to sit in the pain when it's healthy. I think, I think it's healthy to not put boundaries on a definition of happiness, maybe like to just, Mm -hmm. to let, to take life as it comes at you, because Mm -hmm. sometimes life is going to suck, but that doesn't mean you need to sit in that all the time. You can Mm -hmm. sit in it and, and other aspects of your life can still be happy. I think that's what I struggle with sometimes. Like when so much bad stuff's happening in the world around me. It's like, I feel like I'm not allowed to be happy and that's not true, you know? So I think it's hard to find that balance of like, Mm -hmm. or when bad things are happening to you, it's like, oh, I can't enjoy this, this moment with my cat sitting on my lap. Yes, you can. Mm -hmm. Like you, you should seek out those happy moments in times that aren't happy or in, in moments short-term or long-term that aren't happy. So I, I don't know, I guess there's not really a definition of happiness, but Mm -hmm. So then what are some of the things that make you happy? My cats make me happy. <laughs> um, I This sounds lame, but not having a to-do list makes me so happy. Like, I, I mean, as a teacher. When do you not have a to-do list? Uh, summer break sometimes. <laughs> or, it'll, or my to-do list will be like, vacuum, take out the litter box. And I'm like, I can check all those things off so easily, like mm-hmm. go grocery shopping. But then in my career, my to-do list is literally never done. Like I walked out the last day of school and my to-do list was not complete. You just have to prioritize your to-do list. And so I think like, especially with my career being what it is on weekend, well, not even weekends, because then it's still the school year, but like on winter break or summer break and even like long weekends when I I don't have teaching things at the top of my to-do list, it's like, Ah, I feel like I can, I can <laughs> finally breathe. And that makes me happy. My friends make me happy. My family trash TV makes me happy. Ugh. Like mindless TV, you know, mm-hmm. books, which of course make mm-hmm. me happy. Mm-hmm. Working out makes me happy. And again, I think as a teacher, like one of the, I've been on panels at my, at UMW before for the teacher program. And one of the things that the students always ask is like, how do you find a way to decompress? How do you find a way to like manage your stress? Cause it's a stressful job. And I'm like, I, one of my I questions. Yeah. I work out the, mo- and I'm not a morning person. So I will never be the 6am workout girl ever. Mm-hmm. I wake up, I get ready in 20 minutes and then I'm at school, you know? Yeah. But then the, like, I, I know this is coming later too about like finding balance, but 
I schedule workout classes for like 30 minutes after my contract hours. So it forces me to leave. Teachers never work just contract hours. It's impossible. It's literally impossible. You know, you're the my, my mother and she's listening to this mom. <laughs> she doesn't come home sometimes until like nine o'clock at night. And I'm like, yep. what are you doing? But it's the amount of work that these kids produce you have to learn her job is to teach them. So she spends then her weekends making like all of these different lesson plans and whatever. Mm -hmm. And then on top of that, your schools are crowded. Like people have too many children. Like there are so many kids in a classroom. So it's insane to me. And then my mom also has the ESOL side of it. So she's also making adjustments for the kids who's, Mm -hmm. who English is a second language to them. And like, I just me gosh. too. And luckily we have an incredible ESL team that works very well with us as the teachers who have their there are shared students. But it 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 I mean it goes back to that to-do list. It the work is never done. Mm-hmm. And that's another part of like in well in many careers, but especially in teaching, like there's you don't really climb the social ladder. Like you set your own bar of success. And part of who I am. I just like always want to be better. I always want to do better. I always think I can do more and that can get really unhealthy. I think it's great. and makes me a good worker and makes principals like me, (laughs) which is something I'm working on too, where not everyone needs to like me and that's okay. (laughs) Um, But then it's also like dangerous because I'm never satisfied and always think like I can do better. I could do Mm -hmm. more. I need to do more. And it's like, no, you need to step back. You need to go leave. You need to stick to contract hours as best as you can, which again is impossible for any teacher. Mm-hmm. Um, Mom, are you listening? Yeah. This, uh, this is <laughs> ding, for ding, you. Ding. <laughs> <laughs> um, and yeah. there are moments I'm at work till nine or week or working on weekends or going in on the weekend. And that just is part of the job. I can't imagine also being that teacher that takes like an activity, like you're also going to direct the school musical yeah. or you're also gonna you know have coach this football coach yeah training. have this yeah club like what yeah like your entire life is to this job which is in some ways amazing and I think teachers are amazing for that but like you need your own hobbies yeah it's unhealthy space. yeah and that's a big thing that I've been again it's only year six but also again back to this millennial thing is like we're this cool in between where we're learning like our work should not be our life. My job is a teacher. It's not who I am. My personality, my being, my worth is not being a teacher. It's my job. And so that's something I need to remind myself a lot that like, it's my job. I get yeah. paid to do this. It is not who I am. It is not my life. I should not give up things for this job. Yeah. That's something I'm getting better at as, as I put more years in, but it's hard. I think about that with, I don't have a job. Like I have a job that looks at spreadsheets, you know, like I don't have a job that's in service to others or like I work for an association. So technically we are, but not in the same way that like a doctor or a teacher or a social worker or anything like that. How do you not get so attached, especially as a teacher to children that you're like making an impact in, you know, that maybe they don't come from a great home life. And like your classroom is their escape for the day. Like, how do you not get so attached? I I don't have an answer to that because it, I I do get attached and I lose sleep. I mean, I've called CPS multiple times and it's horrible. And 
it shines a light on that broken system. Like we can have so much proof and evidence that just breaks your heart and like makes you sick to your stomach. And they're like, oh yeah, sorry, we, we can't prove it. And it's like, what? <laughs> what? Like, yeah. what What do you need then to prove yeah. it? Yeah. Um, or even not, even in a great home, there are students who just work so hard and still don't get it. And like, you know, there's a learning disability or you know, there's something else we can do to help them. And like, I lose sleep over it. Yeah. But on, on the other hand, I have to remember like, it's a job. Yeah. I, I'm doing more than I am expected to do already. And I think that comes with compartmentalizing, which I've gotten better at through the years and picking up afternoon workout classes helps because it's like, I don't even go home first. I go to the gym and then come home. So it splits up my day. It stops me from thinking about school, like leave school behind, go work out, leave it all mm-hmm. there and then come home. And it's like, my evening time should not be some days. Of course it is, but the yeah. majority of my evenings should not be school related. Yeah. And I used to be really bad at that. And the past two years, I've been a lot better. And I've had, I've, one of the things I'm so blessed with is incredible coworkers. Like my best friends work with me and that is so rare. And mm-hmm. so like, we'll sign up together or on days where like, I just cannot work out today. They're like, okay, but I'm going to text you and make sure you leave at this time. And it's like, okay. Ooh, so we great. have yeah, I'm going to really start texting good. my mom and be like, I'm yeah, making sure to. that you're leaving at this time. It is eight o'clock. You should be yeah. home. I'm getting, getting good accountability partners. And then yeah. there's also those, well, they'll text me and I'm like, I, I really need to stay today. Like I will feel better mm-hmm. mentally if I stay. And they're like, okay, like I get that. Yeah. And so it's important to find that balance too. Of like today, today's my late day. I need to stay yeah. late today and I'll leave on time tomorrow. Okay. Yeah. So then finding balance or finding happiness outside of your job when do you feel the most like yourself? Honestly, I feel a lot like myself at my job too. So that's kind mm. of hard to answer. I think like, I, this sounds so dumb, but I really think like I was born to be a teacher. And I, I talked to you about this the other week. Like I will not be in the classroom the rest of my life. I probably won't be in the classroom five or 10 years from now. But I mm. think there's a lot of roles in education that, I could fall into that doesn't look the same as what I'm doing right now. And in a class of 25, four and five year olds. Mm-hmm. Um, but I really do feel myself both inside and outside. Of course, there's like a kindergarten Kara versus like a happy hour Kara, which they're <laughs> not going to be the same, but a lot of like at my core, who I am, I think is, is very similar inside and outside of my job. And I think that's part of what makes me enjoy teaching. Like I get yeah. to be myself. I'm like silly and outgoing and like, make fun, make fun of myself. And just, I'm like mm-hmm. dumb and mm-hmm. it helps me build a relationship with them. And like, same with my friends, like I can just be silly and dumb and <laughs> who I am. And if they don't like me, I'm not going to hang out with them anymore. You know? <laughs> yeah, no, I get that. And so what are you most proud of? Oh, that's an, that's the other one that I just like <laughs> stared at for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, I think one, one of the things that came to mind was my independence Um, I think like my mom just the other day was telling me, um, that she's jealous of me in this area of my life. Cause when she was in her mid to late twenties or late twenties now, (laughs) she was like, I don't think I would have been okay. Like not married. I think I felt like I like needed to be married. And I was like, I don't feel like that at all. Like Mm -hmm. I am happy on my own. I'm good. I'm content more than content. Like I'm happy. I'm Mm -hmm. real good. 
Yeah. And my mom was like, I'm just jealous of that because like, she was like, I don't know if it's generationally or just like who you are, but she's like, I really feel like you're cool. Like being <laughs> how you are. And I was like, I am like, I'm not, I'm not dying to get married. I'm not mm-hmm. like dying to be a mom. And if that comes one day, that's great. But like, yeah, I'm, I'm proud of my independence. I live yeah. on my own. I have two cats. Um, <laughs> I do things on my own. I have a great group of friends locally. I have lots of friends, not locally too, that I still connect with. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really special. And not a lot of people have that independence mm-hmm. or are okay with that independence. And so yeah. I'm proud of that. Yeah. I was just having that conversation with a friend of mine and I was like, yeah, I feel like that timeline is so arbitrary and like, mm-hmm. it's, and I, I wonder if our generation is the first one that's maybe feeling it like that. Yeah. Cause I think the Gen Z generation has like moved on from any kind yeah. of social expectation, but I agree, which is great yeah, for them. Yeah. Good for them. But I agree. Like, I don't know that children are in my future. It's not something that I'm like interested in. I marriage, like it, if it comes, it comes And I think mm-hmm. partnership is something that would be lovely, but like the idea of a marriage and a wedding and like the tradition of it all if that comes, that comes. But also that shit's expensive. And like, <laughs> and that's a lot of attention. Yeah. And like, mm, could you just send me to like Aruba instead? You right. know what I mean? Like let's all let's, pitch in for a honeymoon. Mm-hmm, that's what I'm thinking. So, but no, I think that that's, that's really lovely. And I think that's sweet that your mom said that it's something I think I, I even like to hear through you, you know? Yeah. And I think that's another thing, again, uh, like our variety of generation where I have friends that were married at 21 and have three kids and a happy husband and they've moved on and moved out. And then I have like friends like me and like you who are single and independent and cool Mm -hmm. and like taking life as it comes. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with either of those. Yeah. They're both great. They're both great paths. But I feel like we have this freedom to not care or not have these like social constructs mm-hmm. that we feel like we need to follow yeah we have a choice mm-hmm. keyword wow Woo. <laughs> we're allowed to choose what we do with our lives that's crazy oh my gosh. <laughs> so then what are some of the lessons that have been the biggest impact to you I don't think that sentence was English wow <laughs> I, like, sense to me. <laughs> I was like I don't know if I phrased that well what lessons have had the biggest impact on you Um, I think this goes with the best and worst piece of advice. Um, But again, when my first year of teaching, I got switched out of the blue to this new grade. I had this coworker who was like, the same thing happened to me. She was much older, but she was like, when I first started teaching, the same thing happened to me. And I took that as my year of yes. Like I just said, okay, whatever comes at me, like I'm just going to say yes to. And I thought that was great advice until I realized I say yes to way too much. Mm. My first year I said yes to doing clubs after school. I said yes to doing summer school. I said yes to way too much. And then actually just a couple of weeks ago, I still love Ali and AJ. And I was watching an interview that they were doing and they said like, we are so blessed that even though we grew up in the public eye and like in Hollywood and LA and all this stuff, like we had very grounded, normal lives. And the interviewer was like, why do you think that? And she said, our dad always told us no is a complete sentence. If we're asked to do something, we can say no. We don't have to explain ourselves. We don't have to give a reason. We don't like, we can just say no. And that really struck me as like, when I realized this year of yes thing was like, I already say yes too much. I already want everyone to like me. I want to feel helpful. I want to look like I want to be the helper and that's not healthy all the time. So I, I, one of the lessons I've learned is 
say no. It's okay yeah. to say no. You yeah. don't need to justify it. Yeah. You don't, they're, their, their opinion of you won't change. It might be an inconvenience to them, but me mm-hmm. saying no, does not make me a bad person. Yeah. And that's something I've really had to learn and work on. Cause it's hard for yeah. me to say no. Yeah, no, I totally get that. I also think that that quote has been, uh, said too before by like, uh, Elizabeth Olson said Ooh, I think, another yeah. good. Yeah. In the yeah. public eye. Yeah. She said that I, 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 can't quote it well but like Elizabeth Olsen said in an interview once that that was something her dad said to like her sisters Mary Kate and Ashley mm-hmm. Olsen because and yeah and they started young yeah and they started really young yeah. yeah and so like I think that that's that's a great message for anybody in Hollywood or yeah. any young child actor that you can say no and that's good any enough teacher. by itself yeah and a teacher like that's good enough by itself yeah. yeah and that's another like unique thing about this profession is there's so many things under the umbrella of teaching. Like we were just talking, you can coach, you can lead the play, you can be a choir director. And it's like, that's not in my job description. I shouldn't feel pressured to say yes to that. Like, yes, you get an additional pay, which is nice because we don't get paid enough, but (laughs) I, I like, it should not be the expectation for us to say yes. Yeah, that's true. I agree. So Maybe this goes hand in hand with kind of what you already said, but what has been the hardest lesson for you to learn? Saying no. Yeah. (laughs) And again, like I'm such a people pleaser. I want to be looked at as the helper. I want to be like, I want to, I want to make your life easier. Like, come on, Mm -hmm. don't you like me? Aren't I so fun and nice and cool? And it's like that again, that's not where my worth lies. Like that, that's, that doesn't make me a better person. It doesn't make my worth larger. Um, so that's been something even up to like this week, you know, yeah. in my life, it's hard for me to just yeah. say no and be okay with that. Yeah. Especially when like the reality is you're never going to please everybody and not everybody yep. is going to like you, which is something I have to tell myself all the time because yeah, I hope that everybody will. Me too. Why wouldn't they? I know. I'm so cool. Come on. Yeah, that's crazy. But you're not always somebody's cup of tea. So yeah. it's fine. Whatever. Just the, and I have to remind myself like the same way. Not everyone is my cup of tea. Yeah. Like, there are some people I don't enjoy spending time with and that doesn't make them a bad person. And so if you don't enjoy spending time with me, that doesn't make me a bad person. It just yeah. means we don't, we don't vibe. Yeah, exactly. What is the best piece of advice someone has ever given you? And what is the worst piece of advice someone has ever given you? The worst piece of advice, which is it just kind of touched on was like, have a year of yes, just say yes to every opportunity that comes like that might be great for someone who's like a recluse and doesn't usually like get out or try new things, but I'm pretty adventurous. Like I'll, I'll try new things. I don't need that piece of advice. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So I think, I guess like the opposite of that is the best advice could just be like being okay with saying no. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I like letting yourself say no. So do you believe that everything happens for a reason? I do. I feel like that's such a loaded question. I also think that's opposite to like the majority of what you said so far. I know, but (laughs) I think like, I think that that big life change showed me like, I'm okay. Yeah, I'm good. I, I won the county's first year teacher of the year that year. And like, wow, congrats. Thank you. My principal is a cheerleader. He's a self-titled cheerleader. Like he's so good at blowing smoke. And so he makes <laughs> everyone feel like they're incredible. So when he nominated me for this, I was like, okay, like <laughs> sure. Because he makes everyone feel it's like his greatest strength and his greatest weakness. And he knows yeah. that. 
Um, so like, I never thought it was a thing. And then I was in the top three and I was like, oh my gosh, like so cool. And then the whole like school board and all the superintendents, little people all came to my classroom with balloons one day. We were in the middle of doing a standardized test on the computer. And I was like, oh my gosh, hi, like what's, what's going on? And they were like, you won first year teacher of the year. And I was okay, everybody pause your test. Like we all had to put in an admin code to pause. And it was just like this huge deal. And I was like, oh my gosh, to my principal, like, I thought you were blowing smoke, you know? And he's like, no, like you have a gift. This, this is, you're not a typical first year teacher. Like now do you believe me? And it's like, man, I wonder if that would have happened in kindergarten. Like, Oh, you know, I think, I don't know. I mean, I think I, I do the same kinds of things that I did, but it just, it, you know, it proved my flexibility. The, it, it proved the importance of my flexibility, which I am not good at. And so I think that was, that's just, that was another big life lesson of like learning to be flexible. And part of that is everything happens for a reason. And you, you, when things don't go the way you plan, which is most of life, because mm-hmm. you can't predict life. Yeah. You, you roll with it. Yeah. Yeah. Make the best of it. So then do you believe in regret? Like, is that something that you live with that you say that you have, or how do you feel about regret? I think the word regret has such a negative connotation to it. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't think there's a single person who's like, if I could relive life, I would do everything exactly the same. Mm -hmm. Like, no, you're lying if you say that. (laughs) Because there's like little things I've said that have hurt my friend's feelings or hurt Mm -hmm. my family's feelings. And it's like, I wouldn't go back and do that again. I would shut Mm -hmm. my mouth. I would think before I spoke or like, like an embarrassed, like I tripped down the hallway, you know, I wouldn't go back and do that again. Mm -hmm. So I think it's easy to say like, oh, don't live with any regrets. But I think like, if you take a step back, of course there are things in my life I would change, Mm -hmm. but uh, like you can't. So I feel like you just take it and you roll with it and you learn from it and you grow from it. So I guess no, I don't have any regrets, but yes, if I could go back and relive <laughs> my life again, knowing the outcome, because that's yeah. why you regret things. You don't know the outcome, Yeah, but you're never going to know the outcome. So even yeah. if you could go back and do life again, like who's to say you'd have the same outcome. Yep. That's so true. So is there anything that you regret saying or doing that you wish you could go back and change? I think like, just little things like okay. I'll say, you know, I'm quick to speak just because I'm like a fast going person. (laughs) And sometimes I'm like, Oh my gosh, I'm, I'm so sorry. Like I did not mean to say that, or I did not mean to, for it to come out that way. Or like just those little things. Like sometimes I need to slow down my brain a little bit. Yeah. Oh, I totally have those moments. I also think that's even more like hyper, hyperly done I like can't speak today so that's contradicting <laughs> a long day. to say but yeah it's the end of a work day um but that I feel like even is more happens more when I'm like in a social group especially like a bigger social group yeah. like you can blend in a little bit easier in a smaller more intimate group especially if you like don't know everybody I feel like I'm on mm-hmm. like the whole time and half of that is fear that there's going to be a lull in the conversation. And like, uh-huh. I love to help like, you know, connect the dots and connect the people, especially if I know everybody and like, I'm trying to connect them or trying to keep everybody. I don't know. And so I feel like I'm quick to speak, quick to share, 
quick to make a joke. Like yeah. I love to make people laugh. I love that people think I'm funny. Not everybody does, but I love <laughs> that people do think I'm funny. Yeah. I, one of my favorite qualities of myself is my quick wit. So like, mm-hmm. I'm quick to like jump in and say something or try and be funny or say a joke. Cause I don't want to hold it back. And you just, there's sometimes you just gotta. Yeah. I'm the same. <laughs> I'm the opposite though in the, in the social setting. Like I think when I don't know everyone is when I like overcompensate and I'm like, Oh, I want them to like me. So like, I'm going to show them just how yeah, funny I am. And I it's like, Whoa, like yeah. step back, Kara. Like they'll, they'll get to know you. It's okay. Yeah. yeah. So I think it, oh, I like want to, I want to be the funniest and the like liveliest. And it's like, Oh my gosh, calm down. Yeah. I wonder if I should discuss this with my therapist, but like, <laughs> do is, is it like, if you don't, you feel like you'll be forgotten or is it? Cause I think about that too. Like not only in, I probably more so in groups where like, I don't know everybody, right? Like yeah. I want to, it's not even make your presence known, but you just want to make sure that like people saw you and yeah. whether they like you or not. And granted, we're all going and hoping everybody likes us. Like you want to have made an impression and yeah. hopefully it was a good one. And hopefully like you weren't, you know, forgotten or that whatever. And I can see where like, I overcompensate. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I see these like memes on Instagram or like these little TikTok videos, which is like, um, texting someone after you hung out and it's like, Hey, um, I'm so sorry. I wasn't like totally myself today. Um, I hope everything's okay. I hope you have a good afternoon. Like I hope we can hang out again and just like overthinking everything. And I'm like, okay, so I'm not alone in this. Like there's other people out there who do this too. Yeah. Yeah. Or like you, like you replay the conversation afterwards and it's like, what did I say? Like, was I stupid? Oh my gosh. Like, did I go too far? You know, yeah. it's so hard not to, to overthink in, in those social settings. Oh no, for sure. And then you throw alcohol into the mix and it's a shit show. <laughs> yeah. It's and like, even looser and say yeah. whatever you want. Oh my God. It's the next three days panicking about what yeah. we said. Like playing every little thing. Yeah. Who did I offend? Like hopefully yep. no one, but yeah, no, I totally, I, I completely feel that way. And yeah. then you step back and it's like, they thought nothing of it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Hopefully. Like, truly, truly. Yeah. No, I, I completely agree. I, I'm just like that. Here's an interesting question, but when do you feel the most challenged? Whether it's someone challenging you, you being in a challenging environment or a challenging experience, like when is there a moment? I like in both my professional and my personal life, I feel the most challenged when I know I'm in the minority of an opinion, but I know that it should be shared. Ooh, that's a great one. Thank you. And I know exactly what you're thinking about your (laughs) professional life. And I'm, I'm getting a lot, but I confrontation is not my strong suit. And every year at the end of the year, we have like um, a one-on-one with our admin and they're like, where, you know, where do you see yourself in five years? What was your, your proudest moment this year? Like, what are you working on next year? And every year it's like confrontation and working on it like, <laughs> with my coworkers, with my para, with my principals. Like I, I'm not good at it. I'm working on it, but I've recently become a lot more comfortable with confrontation. If I know someone else in the room agrees with me because I'm like, they'll have my back. Even if they're silent, I know in their mind, like they agree with me. But if I'm sitting in a social or professional setting where like, I know, or I don't think if, if I don't know for sure, someone else agrees with me or shares my belief or my opinion, it is so hard for me to say anything. And so most of the time I don't, which is not good. Like, yeah, I should be speaking up for what I believe or for or defending a group of people or a person or, you know, it's, it's hard. 
Yeah, it is hard. And I think how lovely that if you get to say that, then somebody else who agreed with you, who maybe was too scared to, or wasn't willing to Uh feels validated, feels heard, feels seen. And like, that's a great thing that you can give. Right. And I think, yeah, I'm like the opposite. I'm not like confrontational in the sense that like, I want to have a fight, but like, if I'm more inclined to challenge you and I'll feel comfortable in that challenge because I feel strongly about like my beliefs. And I think that's where like jealous of you because I don't have that. I'm working towards it, but I'm, I'm quick to just like walk away back down. Well, I mean, I don't really think it's like a great trait if you don't fully think of like the repercussions, like if you're going to start an argument, then you better be able to finish it. Yeah. And like, I think back it up. Yeah. And I think when I feel brave and big and, you know, bad, I'll do it. <laughs> <laughs> then all of a sudden it's like, oh, maybe you shouldn't have, Yeah, you know, maybe this wasn't the place to have that discussion about these specific beliefs or values. But then again, isn't the family reunion the exact place? To yes, Thanksgiving. <laughs> yeah, of course. But no, I think that, I think it's really important And I think it's important as women. And I think it's important as young women that we feel empowered to speak on the things that we feel passionate about. And then we've had this conversation before, but like as white women, I think it's Mm -hmm. important for us to have, to have the courage to say something and to have the, you know, just go for it. Cause we need to use our white privilege. Yeah, exactly. So I think it's great that you feel empowered and you feel brave enough to speak up in your workplace in your personal life like that's amazing I'm working on it yeah I'm proud of you I think that's thank great. you it's yeah. hard <laughs> yeah gosh it's uncomfortable yeah. and it's yeah. hard to sit in the uncomfortable yeah Ooh. yeah yeah <laughs> yeah so do you like to take risks are you a risk taker and what is the biggest risk you've ever taken Okay. Again, I would never describe myself as a risk taker. <laughs> I'm, I think I'm adventurous. Like I, I like to say yes to a lot of opportunities, Yeah. but I wouldn't say like, I'm a risk taker. But then again, recently I've like had these outside friends describing me as like bold and brave and risky. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, like maybe, maybe I am. <laughs> so I don't know. I don't, I feel like I don't have a good answer to that. I think I really like to feel safe. Like change is really scary to me, which is why I'm in the same town that I went to college in, which is why I'm only an hour away from my hometown. Like I, I like feeling I'm super independent, but like feeling my safety bubble around me, like knowing I have safety. Yeah. And so in that regard, like I wouldn't say I take a lot of risks, but then on the other hand, like I, I like to say yes to opportunities and I'm not scared of that either. So I don't know. I feel like there's yeah. some sort of middle ground there. Yeah. Well, I, I have a risk that I hope you'll take in the next few years. We talked about <laughs> this, but like teaching overseas, like that yes. would be cool. I have those tabs open on my phone. I've been mm-hmm. looking into the like application process and what you yeah. need. And yeah. So maybe that'll be your risk. You'll yeah. just fly to another it's always country. been something in the back of my mind. I mean, I've done a lot of different service and mission trips in other countries and I looked into teaching there, but I told you like a lot of the programs where Americans go, it's like you pay your own way and you raise money from family and friends. I'm like, oh, that makes me uncomfortable. Like <laughs> I want a salary. I don't want some, I don't want my friends yeah. and family to be my salary. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah. this opportunity would not be that. So yeah. something to look into. Yeah, I can do anything definitely. for a year, right? Yeah. There you go. All you need is a year. Yeah. Yeah. 
So what does a good life look like to you? I feel like that goes back to the American dream question. I feel Mm -hmm. like, I guess the question is to me. So I would say a good life is a great group of close friends, um, having a safe, a safe space with your friends, which I think is really rare and really special. And I'm really glad and grateful that I have found that. Like, again, you asked me like, when do you feel your truest self or whatever? I feel like I can be my truest self around both my friends and my family. And I think that's so special. Mm -hmm. Um, like I don't have to put a front on. And of course, am I a little different with my friends and family? Yeah. I think you're, you're different with every group of friends you hang out with, but I don't think it makes me like not being myself in those different groups. I, I feel like it's what we've already talked about, like being independent, having a job that maybe drives you crazy sometimes, but you, you feel a purpose. Mm-hmm. I, I really do feel like I'm fulfilling a purpose with my career, which again is, is special. I know not everyone yeah. feels that. Yeah. Um, I have a great relationship with my family. I have a great close, close knit group of friends. And I think that's all what part of makes a good life. I can, yeah. I can have independence, but I can also text a friend and be like, Hey, can you come over? Hey, can we go grab coffee? Like I have that balance of, of both. Yeah. And how do you want to be remembered? Oh, this is a question my principal asked about legacy. Like, what do you want your legacy to be? I don't know. And I feel like it's ever changing. Hmm. Like I, I want people to think that I was kind and impactful and, I, this again goes back to my like need for everyone to think I'm helpful, <laughs> which is, is good and bad. But like, I want people to be like, oh man, she was so helpful. Like she made my life easier by doing X, Y, Z. Like whether again, that's in my professional or personal life. Mm-hmm. Like I want to be an accessory to someone else's happiness also. Oh, I like that. You know, yeah, which can be unhealthy sometimes because yeah. I, it's hard to put myself first in some situations. Um, yeah. But yeah, I want to, I want other people to think like, oh, she made my life better. Like, yeah. oh, she made my life funnier, you yeah. know? Yeah. No, I thought about that question for myself because it's one of the newer ones I'm asking my guests. And I think similar, like I hope that, you know, I'm remembered for being a good friend and for being yeah. kind and like somebody that no matter whether we have fallen out, unless you were a horrible person, but unless, <laughs> <laughs> but otherwise if we had fallen out or our friendship didn't you know, stand the test of time at the yeah. moment or whatever it may be. Like, I would hope that you would feel comfortable calling me. Cause like, you know, yeah. I pick up like that kind of thing. I think. Yeah. Is. Agreed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Dependable. Yeah. Dependable. That's nice. Kind dependable. Yeah. yeah. What are you still hoping to accomplish? I know I don't want professionally I know I don't want to be in the classroom till retirement like the thought of retiring as a classroom teacher absolutely not I will not I (laughs) I don't think many people my age will um the average right now for being a classroom teacher is five years so I'm already above average yeah it's it's sad um so I think one of the things that I hope to still do is find another niche within the profession. Again, we talked about this, but I really have a heart for my ESL cluster. I feel like I really am able to connect with them and their families. And I would love to one day take on that challenge of still being in an education, but not having a group of 25 kids of my own. Mm. Granted, I'd probably have like 90 kids of my (laughs) own, but you see them for small amounts of time. You have less 
Um, you don't do report cards. You have way less communication with like, well, I guess you communicate parents with parents a lot, but there's less behavior communication. Like the behavior falls on me, the classroom teacher to call about a report or whatever. Um, so I think that's something I hope to accomplish is just finding another avenue to still feel like I am living out my passion and my purpose, but maybe not necessarily in the four walls of my own classroom. Mm -hmm. Um, and then personally, I'm sure you can agree with this, although you have way more experience than me, but I, there's so many places I want to travel still Mm -hmm. so many places, whether it's by myself or with a future husband or with a group of girlfriends, like, I don't care. I just want to do it. I want to find the money because it's expensive. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, and the time, which again, is hard as a teacher because Mm -hmm. the time off you have, you're usually like, I'm working this summer because I paid enough. And, um, I'm just like a hustler. I always want to, you know, bank the money for future things like that. I'm trying to buy a house, which is another thing, um, that I hope to accomplish. And so like, even though I'm really financially responsible, which I know is great because a lot of people our age are not, mm-hmm. um, the things I want to do are expensive and like a pretty yeah. penny. So, yeah. 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 I think something on my list is to like start traveling solo. I know a yeah. few of my friends who have done that and that's seems very empowering and very cool. And so I'd yes, like to do agreed. That. scary, yeah. scary. But I'd like to do that. I think. Yeah. Yeah. And so what are you pursuing in this moment in this current chapter of your life? I feel like that's hard because again, like you can think of long-term or short-term. And I guess the the answer is right now. I think I'd be, I think I'm, I'm pursuing continuing to find a work and social life balance because it's hard in most careers and especially teaching. Um, So I'm continuing to pursue just balance and finding happiness in the mundane, which I'm pretty good at. Mm-hmm. Um, I can find happiness in little things. Again, I'm really good at compartmentalizing, which is a blessing <laughs> and a curse. Um, but I just want to continue to, to pursue that balance and to let things go and not let things get to me, which I'm getting better at mm. big and little things. Mm. Yeah. I don't know how to do that. Yeah. Uh, I'm working on it. <laughs> yeah. Everything gets to me. And yeah. Just- simmer on it it's hard yeah and then my final and favorite question ask everybody is what would you do if you knew you wouldn't fail okay I feel like I have kind of a cop-out answer because we already (laughs) touched on it but I would go live somewhere abroad and alone for a year Mm. I see that for you I think that's totally achievable thank you where would you go give me five different locations I think this is a broad location, but somewhere in Europe, because I feel like it's, I wouldn't feel completely thrown in like a cultural shock, despite the language barrier and the like political changes and stuff like that. I still feel like it, it would be more comfortable than other areas. Yeah. And luckily most people speak more than one language, which is right. something more than many Americans and more English than I can is, say. <laughs> yeah. And English is usually one of those languages so yeah and I've traveled I think 12 I lost count but I think 12 times to Guatemala on different mission trips and that's where I looked into after college like teaching for a year um so I I think I could spend a year there just because like it it already feels comfortable to me I know people Mm -hmm. there I know a family there that runs a church like that would welcome me in any time they've already said like come over anytime Mm -hmm. um 
but I don't think I'd find a job that I liked there, which is another reason like Europe appeals to me for the teaching aspect also. Mm, okay. Yeah. I can see you totally doing that. That's so achievable. You. you can totally Whoa, it's do it. It's so scary. Yeah. I think it'd be cool. I think, I think it'd be really cool to see you do like a solo trip there first. And then like, I'm, I'm sure you'd come back and be like, oh my God, I could totally live here. I can totally right. do this. Or I'd be like, oh, I was in over yeah. my head. <laughs> or just kidding. No, thank you. Yeah, that's not for me. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, how did we feel about our trip when we were, we went to Paris and then to various places in Germany? That and Switzerland. Very... We did Switzerland. And we did Switzerland. We went to Zurich. Yeah. And I, like, we're both older now, you know, I think yeah. we're, we're braver in asking for help because yeah. that was, both of us were like, you asked, no, you asked, no, you asked. It's so hard. <laughs> oh like, my gosh. It's yeah. hard to feel like an imposition. It's so much easier to do that now and not feel like embarrassed about it or uncomfortable but yeah that's funny this morning I had an IEP meeting or an eligibility meeting for one of my students and we were going over a list of his strengths and it's funny that like I kept I kept going back to like he's never afraid to ask for help whether it's like a social thing or an academic thing or a clarification or like oh can you go back and read that again and I was like that's such a strength of his like you can't teach that and here I am like I'm (laughs) he's five I'm a full-grown woman who still like struggles to ask for help and if I'm praising this five-year-old for doing that and I'm encouraging like that's such a big thing as a kindergarten teacher is like self-advocacy if you need to go to the bathroom just ask if you need clarification just ask if you need a band-aid just ask and like we we create this safe space for five and four five and six-year-olds to ask and self-advocate yet here I am like struggling to ask and self-advocate Wow. Yeah. What yeah. a great skill to learn at that age. And I hope yeah. that he keeps it. Yeah, I, I know. Hope, <laughs> yeah. I hope all your kids feel empowered to ask and ask for help, ask for the things that they need. And yeah, I could learn from them. Even be okay with the answer being no, like yes. when you ask, you know? Yeah. Oh gosh. I remember as a Girl Scout, like selling Girl Scout cookies, it was always so hard for me. Like, mom, I don't want to ask them. Like, what if they say no? You know, my biggest fear would be like, do you want to buy Girl Scout cookies? And then saying no. And it's like, why? why did I care if they said no? Like, I I think it just like makes you feel like a failure. Yep. Which is so stupid. Yeah, but it's true. And I now have on the opposite end of that, I still to this day at 29 years old, feel compelled when somebody stops me on the street to talk to them, to sign their (laughs) petition, to give them money. And I can't say no. It's horrible. My roommate and I practice like, Kendall, what are you going to say? No, thank you. No, thank you. Because like I don't want to be rude. Yeah, I don't want to be rude. I don't even mean if it's a child, I'm even more likely. Yeah. Like, I can't. I feel so bad. And I want to save the whales. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, right. that, why wouldn't I? But no. Again, I, it's like, I want to be helpful. I want to be remembered yeah. as, like, helpful and kind. And it's like, but I, I'm allowed to say no. Yeah. It doesn't make and, me a bad person. Yeah. And I think especially as a woman, you're allowed to say no. Yeah. Like if you've ever listened to my favorite murder, they always say like on the, on that podcast, like fuck politeness. And I think about that often where it's like, that's okay for me to like, not be smiley. It's okay yeah. for me to not be like happy or mm-hmm. say yes or whatever. I don't owe you anything. Right. And as a woman, like everybody is a predator. <laughs> so like <laughs> stranger no. danger. The answer is no. The answer is no, no. And so I don't know. Feeling like you can to do that. be, you don't have to be polite, but you don't also like, you don't have to be mean. If you're not yeah. polite, it doesn't already make you mean. There is yeah. a neutral land there where we can yeah. lie. Yeah. 
Uh, well, Kara, thank you for being here. I'm so this glad was... you asked me. This was fun. I know. Yeah. I can keep talking on and on. I know. I'm like, wow, we really went through like, <laughs> this will be edited down, listeners, but we went through like our two or like almost two hours. Wow. That's crazy. But go team. Yeah, go team. But this has been lovely. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for being a part of this. And you'll be back later this week yes. for a book club episode which I'm really excited about me too so and can I just say how proud Mm -hmm. of you I am oh like you just started this on a whim because of one of your passions and look at what it's become like that's amazing you took this professional and social risk Mm -hmm. because you're inviting guests that you know Mm -hmm. and you're putting yourself out there on this platform for anyone to listen and judge which is not easy like you go girl I'm so proud of you thank you I think one of the highlights of it only being heard by friends and family probably (laughs) is that nobody dares to write a horrible comment except my sisters you know like no one's gonna I haven't hit any sort of level of success where somebody I'll have haters you know yeah (laughs) that's I'm still in a sweet spot but no I really (laughs) well I can't wait till you're successful enough to have haters thanks I hope so I think that'll really challenge my character and (laughs) make me a stronger person but no thank you I appreciate it I enjoy it and having conversations like this and bonding with the people that I know even more on different levels and on different topics really is the reason I did this. And so thank you so much for being a part of it. Yeah. I'm super excited and everybody stay tuned for the next episode. Bye. Thank you for listening to unofficial book club where life and stories meet. You can listen wherever you get your podcasts and follow me on Instagram at unofficial book club pod. Please don't forget to rate and share with all of your friends until next time.